Star jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. We should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon. Whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in, indeed welcome, as Krypton Radio takes its weekly leap into the event horizon. Every episode features writers, artists, filmmakers, musicians, and other creative professionals and amateurs alike who create the fabric of this marvelous world we call science fiction. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. I'm the station manager for Krypton Radio, and with me is our executive producer, Susan Fox. Tonight we have a special show for you. We present a making-of episode, and this one is about the original Krypton Radio production of War of the Worlds, written, produced, and directed by Christopher H. Baum. Christopher H. Baum, the main man who put it all together. Say hi, Christopher. Hello. We have Marjorie Coons, who played Natalie Rivera. Say hi, Marjorie. Hello. <laughs> we have Doug Myers, who played Special Agent McKay. We have Doug Myers, who played Special Agent McKay. And we have Steve Rimpici, am I getting that right? You got uh, it. Who played the news anchor. Welcome, all of you, one and all to the show. This is kind of a special thing for us. The War of the Worlds radio drama... The version that you did for Krypton Radio, first of all, it it was the highest rated show we have ever had. In the history of the station, you guys brought in more listeners for one show than we have ever had. And I wanted I wanted to yeah. applaud you for that. Well, we're very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. And the second thing is that uh this was the War of the Worlds, and not the not the Orson Welles version of War of the Worlds. This is one that you, Christopher, wrote based on the original. Yeah. You went back to the well and and wrote original material and brought the back to the well of the wells. Yes, oh, the well of the wells. That's right, and brought back uh, uh, brought this back and brought it in line with the original work and created something completely new out of it. And this is this is. As far as I know, this is the first time that this has been redone for radio. Actually, that's not true. Isn't it? It was redone in 1955 on Lux Radio Theater. That was based on George Powell's 1953 movie. Now, the 1953 movie is the one that starred Gene Barry, but when it was done on the radio broadcast in 1955, Mm -hmm. it starred Dana Andrews and Pat Crowley. Pat Crowley later went on in the 1960s to be on the television show Please Don't Eat the Daisies. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I haven't thought about that show but since Yeah, there was, was another kid. radio broadcast in 1955. See, you thought transmedia so was... was new. <laughs> it's the radio version of the, the movie version of the radio version of the book version. Right. So there. So... Th- We'll be doing the producers next. <laughs> <laughs> Spending time for Hitler no, in Germany. You, know what? you had to, you had to go there. <laughs> it's like Rule Thirty Four. <laughs> Whoever brings up Hitler has lost the argument. <laughs> I can hear Natalie singing too. I know what Rule Thirty Four is, and that is not Rule Thirty Four. <laughs> and besides, Marjorie's the one who can sing. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we dance? So, where did you where did you begin? How did you get the idea that you were going to do this, and and where did you find this talented uh, bunch of crazies? Well, um, that that's a lot of questions in one breath. <laughs> it is. We're hoping it lasts um, most of the show. <laughs> it actually goes back a long time ago, and and uh, my my uh, 
castmates have heard some of this through the uh, long series of emails that they've had for me over the course of the past six months. But um, what uh, what happened was um, <clears throat> I watched War of the Worlds, the 1953 movie, with my dad when I was eight years old. Now, that was not in 1953. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was in the early 19 or the mid 1960s, and uh, I didn't know it was in color even because we had a black and white television at the time. But uh, I was amazed by it, you know, watching this. Uh, first of all, it was uh, I'm one of five kids, so it was unusual for me to have them this much time alone with my father, so that was pretty awesome. But um, I was just amazed by this thing, and since I was watching it in black and white, you know, it wasn't the colors that were, or, or the imagery that was getting to me, it was the sounds. Oh, know? yes. The, and particularly then, you know, and, you know, you're listening it to, in televisions in 1965, 66, didn't have stereo, didn't have hi-fi quality sound, it was all through a, a little four-inch speaker. So, but but even so, the stereo didn't come into. Uh, I remember uh, Knight Rider saying that it was in stereo as they were driving across the desert. So that would be in the late '80s. So, but but even so, the sounds of that um, that literally gave me nightmares. The sounds from the the 1953 movie, and that's really what piqued my interest in this. And I've been ever since then a fan of all the various incarnations of War of the Worlds. And there have been many. There was a television show in the 90s. There was even a musical done back in the 70s, a concept album released by a guy named Jeff Wayne. I had, I have no recollection or knowledge of that. A, a musical? Do you remember, well, what are you gonna do do you remember ta- a song called... How do you for- tap dance with three feet? <laughs> Well, it, 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 I mean, <laughs> this was a well. the 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 seventy eight version, the musical version, was uh, a big deal. I mean, the uh, narration was done by Richard Burton, and the vocals were done by Justin Hayward of the Moody Blues. In fact, there was a, a minor hit song that came out of it, a song called "Forever Autumn." So. Uh, those of you listening at home, when this is over, after we finished speaking, you can go and look up Forever Autumn in your favorite search engine and uh, listen to the beautiful rendition of it by Justin Hayward. My gosh. Uh, you, we're going to have to look this up and maybe see if we can air that version. Add it to the playlist. Add it, yeah, sure. That's, this is, this is, <laughs> this is uh, uh, science fiction archaeology in the making. Archaeology's the word. <laughs> So, so that that's the whole history of War of the Worlds, and of course there was the uh, 2005 version uh, that was the movie done with Steve, Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise. I had a friend who was an and extra, and I, I will. I think everybody extra who was had a, had a friend who was an extra, and they used a mother lot of, of, of extras. Yes, they did, and for all the people they had, they should have made a better movie. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. all that all, all those people couldn't couldn't provide them with a script. <laughs> <laughs> so that that that's the genesis of it and then um you know i i'm a jersey boy mm-hmm. so when i did my version i set it back in new jersey just like orson yeah, wells yeah. did of oh, fa- course in fact it lands in the same town there isn't actually a, a town called grover's mill it's it's but there's a a park uh in princeton junction new jersey uh, where uh, they have a plaque up now that the invasion took place, and very near there, there is there is a farm called Grover's Mill that has a water tower on it, and it was shot at because people thought it was a Martian tribe. Oh, ever put holes in it? Orson Welles much after that. So, well, you remember Orson Welles was only twenty three when he did that, and he he. Uh... He accidentally discovered the true power of, of radio. 
I mean, he absolutely. Had, when this was going on, he had absolutely no idea. He thought, you know, maybe maybe a few people might might be fooled. What he didn't realize that 1.7 million people across the United States believed were were completely taken in and believed that uh, Martians were invading New Jersey. So that's the genesis of of where the concept came from. And then I was very fortunate to uh, be selected as one of the original voices of a company called Spoken Layer. Spoken Layer is a firm that adds uh, voices, human voices, to published material that is uh, delivered by the Internet. And uh, in that group of original people, uh, out of that group of, of people for the first voices of Spoken Layer, I met Marjorie Coons, I met Doug Myers, um, I met Jewel Elizabeth, who played Dr. Walking, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Sarah Bisman, who was the announcer. So we were all original Spoken Layer voices. Now, uh, Doug and I have talked on the phone a couple of times. This is the first time I've ever spoken to Marjorie or Stephen. Um, <laughs> what a strange... And... Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've never spoken to, to Jewel, and I've never spoken to Sarah on, on the phone. We've only communicated through email. How do you direct and then I also... like that? Do they all, like, record and, separate parts of the Yeah. And where did, uh, where did Steve yeah. come in? Uh, you were all part of well, the spoken no. layer, and then Steve must have come um, in... Uh... Through a casting call? Yeah. Well, no, I did, I, I did uh, work with another website that is now on uh, kind of a permanent hiatus called Smoke and Mirrors. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I remember. And um, I did uh, a story for them called Aluminum Doesn't Give a Damn. Uh, uh, It's a a little story about a guy who has uh, an unfortunate relationship Uh, and uh, wakes up one day with a tube in his neck and his girlfriend explaining to him why she's pumping his blood out. So, it doesn't get much less uh, fortunate than that. Yeah, yeah, it, that's, it, that was kind of a tough, uh, a bad day for him. But uh, other people that worked on that website that I had never worked with included Stephen mm-hmm. um, and also um, Harry Schuster. Harry and I did a, he did the voice of a project I wrote, but we had never worked together. Uh Chris Dunn, J, uh, J. Christopher Dunn, who was also the who was the voice of Horowitz, Heidi Tabbing, who was the voice of Doctor Chu, uh, all came from uh, working with Smoke and Mirrors. And then there was uh, one cast member, Tyler Abbott, who's my nephew. Um, so he's uh, you know he he had a good solid in, but he's also he's done regional theater for years, so he's a, he's a trained actor. Connections will and make then, get you in the door. It won't guarantee you stay. Yeah, there. absolutely. <laughs> you have to be good. And then Scott, and that's Scott with three T's. Scott Raven, um, I met through Jewel. Uh, they're engaged. And then Mike Lemerling, who played the lieutenant. Uh, Scott played the president. Mike Lemerling, who played the, re- the the lieutenant, is a friend of Scott of of Scott's. So the only person we haven't accounted for yet, uh, there are two, um, Leah Frederick, who played the colonel, um, she's the one who, who saves uh, Doug and me. Um, she was actually my first voice instructor. Oh, my. At uh, Voices for All. And then um, I wanted a, a particular voice for Colonel Luz. So for that one, I actually did put ads in Craigslist, got several responses, but the, the guy who really impressed me was Anthony Arroyo, who plays Luz in, in this version. He was uh, one of the cast members of, of um, the House of the Dead video oh game. So now when we get into Spoken Lair, Doug and I were still relatively new to the voice game at that point, right, Doug? Yeah, that was... But, Shoot, that was that was pushing three years ago. Yeah, Marjorie was already an established star, 
um, as was Jewel and uh, and Sarah. So I mean, those people have like major credits behind them, and then um, and and then I I sort of get to to cling on to all of that success uh, for for my project. <laughs> Well, that's all very interesting, and you're all from the uh, New Jersey area. No. Oh no, we're we're all over the place, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, Steve, where where are you from? No, we're all over. Uh, I'm, I'm yes. in New York. I'm actually about five miles from the Jersey border, but uh, it, there are certain laws that prohibit me from going over. But other than that, I'm, well, I'm since very... I consider Jersey the place where the same uh -huh. people live. <laughs> And I'm from Manhattan. So, you know. And Marjorie, where are you from? I'm a I'm originally from Melrose Park, Illinois, but then spent most of my time in New York and now in New Orleans. You're, wow, awesome! Big. Let's see. And and Doug? I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan, about an hour west of Detroit. My my. And, this and, is getting to be the Ann Arbor hours. Yeah. <laughs> and and Christopher, Christopher, where ago. where are you? You were originally from New Jersey. Where are you now? I, I am still in New Jersey. I'm in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, which is one town over from Morristown, New Jersey, which is the town that the Martians destroyed. Oh, great. Well, obviously, they, they keep rebuilding it, though, yeah. you know, because yeah. the Martians come yeah. every, I every don't know, 30 years or so. Every 30 years or so and smash right. the place. So, you can hardly tell the difference in Los Angeles City Hall, too. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> um, you said that uh, up until now you haven't actually spoken to Marjorie and Doug and uh, well, how is it how do you where do you start doing your radio you, you start with a script obviously but uh, right. do they record their parts send them to you you send them back with notes or or do you record a uh, do a cold reading and then have everybody loop in their lines or how does this work well what 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 I did um, uh, was working with a, a lot of great advice from uh, from uh, Leia in particular was I did uh, I wrote the script and then I did um, I read all of the parts and sent the sent those uh, excerpts to everybody saying this is kind of what I want you to sound and most people sent me back stuff that I could use first take uh, well I mean they, they would do three mm -hmm. sets on them so they would read the lines three different ways and then I spliced it all together so you didn't have a you didn't have like a continuous read through so that people could hear no. the lines in context nope nope oh, Pe man. people did all of the and the, the person who had that the most the most difficult time with that was Doug because Doug's involved in a lot of conversations in this and he didn't ever hear the other side oh uh huh <laughs> so and that uh, that stuff. bit where, yeah, where, where Agent McKay is talking to the farmer, mm -hmm. never, um, met, huh? <laughs> never met, were was recorded on different equipment at kill different him. times kill by people all. who had, yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I I'll chime in there for a second. <laughs> Christopher was was intelligent enough though to send the entire script uh -huh. to all of us. So, so at least we did have some context back and forth as to what it was, not just Ooh, our that's parts. That's something. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, S Stephen, yeah. how uh, how long did it take you to to uh, to get through get through <laughs> all of the the lines that you had and and uh, and deliver them and and uh, what uh, I what mean, problems did you encounter? My problems, not too many. My my part was as the newscaster, mm -hmm. and so you know. Uh, what Christopher had sent over was um, uh, from the moon landing where we had Walter Cronkite do his famous broadcast of uh, his reactions and, and his overcome by emotion on the positive side of, of uh, the man landing on the moon, uh, but to use that kind of as a base and then grow it from there. Um, but everybody did a phenomenal job in this. Mine is, you know, my voice tends to lend itself either to just absurd characters or the more stentorian type of, uh, of newscasting uh, old school voice. So, uh, uh, so this was right in my wheelhouse, if you will, on, on what I do. Um, but the script was 
overall was phenomenal and and the entire production was great natalie you've worked a lot in uh in improv as a matter you know that's no, that's marjorie, marjorie. natalie's a character. character i'm sorry marjorie. <laughs> but and yes and i have uh gene <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you could call me Doofus. Yeah. That wouldn't work. Uh, He's playing <laughs> part of Doofus. No. I'm playing a part of Doofus right now. Um. Well, but even even in the role of Natalie, I mean, it it was it was again to, to uh, like the script really just emulated the characters, and and Natalie just kind of surfaced out of that. I mean, I've done a number of roles, uh, various age ranges. And to me, the, the wonderful challenge was, you know, how, how to be a, a newscaster and then, you know, get zapped. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, I, I have a, a life, an afterlife. And, and then to portray that, um, it, it felt quite visceral. I mean, it, I mean, again, having that entire script, which is rare, um, I, uh, kudos to Christopher. I mean, it was just phenomenal to have that luxury. And yet, um, you know, and also to offer, say, three different versions of how we felt, you know, how I felt the character Natalie would be, um, and then what she goes through. And then, you know, I mean, I really could just see myself like in that park and I was like, oh my gosh, that, I mean, I am going to, you know, but I've got to do my job. And, you know, I've got to let the world know. And then, and then I just don't, mm -hmm. you know, I have to leave it up to the silence. So from a voice actor standpoint, uh, I would say that was a phenomenal game and challenge to how, how can my, you know, how can my end of my life still carry through for the rest of the, of the, the radio show? I mean, it was, I, I love that, you know, it was, that was like a, a really great role to have as a voice actor to even like lose your voice. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the most, the scariest yeah. silence ever. <laughs> Yeah, that was it yeah. was dramatic. I mean, silence, uh, uh, silence is as as the biggest a part of music as as the notation is. You know, the, the musical the, tones. Yeah, the music of yeah, it's it's, so it's the part that adds the drama. Of course, you know you've got that yeah. John Cage piece. What was it? Six it was four minutes. Four minutes thirty two seconds, 32 seconds mm -hmm. of silence. You yeah. sit down at the piano, open it, open the keyboard, right. and do nothing for four minutes and I can do that <laughs> I'm the virtuoso of that piece yeah, it's, um, you know it's sort of a performance art thing you know where the where the conceptualization is all there is and and, and it's uh, in a large way a radio uh, radio drama is a lot like that because you have to you have to paint pictures with sound and there are no visuals at all so everything else mm -hmm in the story has to come from uh, the the negative space, if you will, around the voices, uh, and you have to create the impression of this complete reality using nothing but, you know, your vocal cords. And I think that's where I was uh, really, really lucky, because I got, I got such talented people to work on this project for free, I might add. So these people did donated their time um, and you know when when you get people who can react like that to words on paper you know not the things and you know like I said you know Steve is there sounding um, so somber and 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 you know he, particularly at the at the part where uh, Natalie Rivera dies you just hear him you hear that emotion in his voice and it's just so visceral and then you've got yeah. Doug over there who is carrying all these conversations on, you know, half of them. And still it just blends in so nicely together with, with the other work that the people do. And then uh, you know, I think Marjorie had the most fun, though, because she got to die. and She was really into that. <laughs> but, you know, Chris, uh, it, yeah. it, it definitely does play to how well that the copy was put together. And as Stephen had said, you know, having, and Marjorie had said, that, that having a, a hard copy, if you will, of that right in front of you, it actually mm -hmm. a, allows you to read through, like the conversations I had with the farmer and, and with the, the guy when I take over the Jeep and I'm driving it. Uh, it allows you to actually read in a different voice that, that response and then just orate the, the line 
as, as though you heard it through from somebody else. So having that copy is is without a doubt a, a, a key enabler to being able to deliver, you know, in a in the right tone because you've got the whole scene and you've got, you know, that voice of the other person in your head, even though you don't know exactly what they're going to sound like in the in the final piece. I'm absolutely, absolutely. I'm really surprised that uh, that having the entire script to read through at, uh, while you're working out your lines is uh, is an uncommon thing. I would have thought that that would be a natural thing to uh, to do for the actors. I'm very surprised to hear that it isn't. And well, I was typing uh, scripts it, for it, cartoons. It, they had the whole script, but that's you know. 10, 10 minutes, you know, this is, this was an hour. And, and the other thing is that, you know, I, I did have a year. I mean, they didn't have a year, but uh, I've been, I've been working on this since uh, actually uh, physically working on it and, and writing the script and stuff since January. So I, 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 I on purpose did not calculate how many hours I spent on this because I'm sure I would be depressed if I knew. Uh-huh. <laughs> the results were certainly worth it. And as I, as I mentioned at the, at the top of the show, uh, it's the highest rated show we've ever had on Krypton Radio. We had, um, nice. we had a, a concurrency of listeners. Um, we had a huge spike uh, when, every time the show came on. And uh, it, I have never seen anything like that on uh, on our radio uh, radio station statistical reports before. Well, I think it just kind of proves your theorem that uh, uh, people want new radio drama, and we may have found some of our. Or, or, or people really hate Morristown, New Jersey would be the other... Uh... <laughs> Not enough people know or, or about really Morristown, are New Jersey to hate it. <laughs> well, and we... just be general Jersey hate. I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm curious. Do you have some kind of quantification for the number of potential listeners? Uh, Twelve. No, Twelve. No, uh, All right, the dirty dozen. Is, uh, the way it works is um, uh, there are two kinds of numbers. There's concurrency... And there's total connections, and uh, the same person could go on and off a couple of times. Yeah, but those, but we have, yeah, the same person could go on and off a couple of times, but we count uh, unique listeners, uh, and uh, but the concurrency is how many people are connected all at once. Uh, we had a peak of fifty-two. Uh, this implies that not everybody tuned in for the entire broadcast, but we also had uh, a number of people switching in and out uh, to hear uh, some of the broadcast and then tuning back in later on in the day to hear the second broadcast to catch the other half. Uh, so we mm-hmm. estimate that the broadcast reached uh on the order of 400 to 500 simultaneous listeners um, uh, if you if you put all the broadcasts together and this is a you know this might not sound like a big number but it's a big number for internet radio most internet radio stations mm-hmm. never reach more than about 100 people at a time you'll say the, the, now, the 12 wasn't that big a joke <laughs> yeah the 12 wasn't that big a joke uh, we just all have big families <laughs> yeah yeah well, I turned on all six computers in the house. Does that, does that help? Yeah, except they're probably if all they all the ca- same. If they call, all come off the same router, we can't no, tell the no, difference. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> you have to get, send your friend over to the Wi-Fi at the McDonald's. And... Now, the, where, where this really comes into play is uh, uh, when it's offered up as a podcast. And you know, having been on the on the radio, and people have missed it, and they go, "Oh yes, I wanted to hear that," and that's when things start to kick in. And uh, Krypton Radio uh, programs, once aired, and go going to podcast, they typically get a thousand downloads a month or better. Uh, nice. Yeah, that's, that's and, great. And uh, those numbers tend to 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 hold steady. They don't. They don't tend to taper off, especially in the case of dramas. Um, I mean, well, after like a, a couple of years, an interview will start winding off. But that's that's it. And the dramas stay. So uh, we're looking forward to... Well, 
to go ahead, Marjorie. Oh, that, well, no, I'm just, uh, to me, that's a, a very solid indicator, like what you had talked about earlier, Gene and Chris, and well, and Doug and Steve as well, of the real, the, the need that people uh, seem to be, you know, emulating here. You have such a, a high listenership. And to me, that's really just the, the tip of the iceberg of, you know, that's, people are just, they want to connect this way. And it's not just quote unquote, old time radio. It's, it's truly the, the art of storytelling. And it's, I think it's just reviving itself. And I think with the war of the worlds, I mean, this is just not besides a classic, it's a classic example of how people just want that connectivity amidst our incredible technology. We still need, I mean, we're all listening to our human voices here. It's, it's so poignant. So, I mean, to me, it was it was just a thrill to, you know, have that way to offer almost like an integrous uh, voice to, to you know, to applaud that and, and know that listeners would, you know, that they would share that story with someone else. So, I mean, that's that to me is it's reviving the art of storytelling at its finest. So this is a story people know. Are you looking ahead to telling more stories? I, I am. I have a few things uh, uh, up my sleeve still that I'm not quite ready to to talk about in uh, in in this kind of a form yet. Okay. But so when uh, you are ready, you'll let us know, won't you? Absolutely. We're uh, we're working on uh, some similar ideas, um, and uh, I'm part of the reason I'm asking you all of these darn fool questions is uh, to get a handle on what it might take to do a show that go- comes on the air every week. Every week. Yeah, we're working on a so, continuing yeah. a radio series. Oh, like, a, tw- like a 20 minute show every week or something like that. Or 22 minutes. I don't think it's going to be that long. Uh, it might be. I a, I, I th- and I'll, I'll piggyback kind of on the conversation here because I, I think when you provide good content people will seek it out and they'll find it. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. part of a, a number of, of different podcasts, um, including Smoke and Mirrors that we were doing and, and, and a few others as well, That and one of which, which is weekly, that um, when you put things out that people like and you're putting out good quality material, just like Christopher did here, um, it's, you know, the people will seek you out and you'll get more and more yeah. listeners and, and it'll grow. And if you can get, you know, Eight billion hits of a puppy, you know, laughing on YouTube. You know, you can certainly find, <laughs> yeah. so you know, an audience for intelligent conversation and things like that to, to to happen as well. Well, that's certainly been the experience that we've been having. Uh, we've got uh, we've got some good programming on the radio station now. Um, we've got the Event Horizon, which you're on, uh, which is, I believe, this is its fortieth episode, which I find completely amazing because it seems like we just started doing this last week and from some of the from some of my personal issues as a as a radio host it might as well have been last week i uh, I've <laughs> got to say my my equipment bills say tell a different story yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, you're still stuck with me as the as the announcer but uh, <laughs> uh, you know but we also we also have uh, Slice of Sci-Fi, who's they're they're a, a radio show that's uh, uh, that they started were abandoned out in, by Sirius XM, and, and somehow we have we offered to them up. be their new home, and they've glommed they, on. Yeah, to they glommed, us. and we've glommed on to them. It is mutual glommage. And Doctor Geek's Lab, you know, and and these are uh, uh, people are fascinated by this. And, and we've got uh, the Corsair's Closet, which is a costuming cosplay fandom show. Don't, how ask, us how is, don't yeah. ask me how a costuming show works, but somehow they their enthusiasm mm-hmm. and descriptive language just makes it work. Well, remember that the main competitor to Orson Welles uh, and the nineteen thirty eight broadcast uh, and the Mercury Theater on the Air was uh, Charlie McCarthy, who was he was, uh, stuff, he was huge. Uh, one third of the yeah, radio. Yeah, it was audience. ventriloquist and a dummy on the yeah. radio. One one third of the entire radio listening audience was tuning into Charlie McCarthy. That well, 30, I, look, I 30%. saw Bourbon perform once. He was terrible. He was not a good <laughs> ventriloquist, but he was a good. Yeah, he, he, he was, was a, a ventriloquist for radio. That's <laughs> yeah, the... and I've got the <laughs> for radio. Although, although. Although his daughter turned out oh, nice. Yes. 
Yes, she oh, did. Oh, very much. So, um, when you're writing for radio, uh, when you're writing for radio drama, uh, how do you, you, you have to work around, uh, like you, you have to look at the, look at the scene and, and do a, um, what's called a scene breakdown, figure out, uh, what elements are, you know, what elements you're going to need for the scene and what you're going to have to portray, uh, how does that affect how you write a scene uh, for radio, knowing that there aren't going to be any visuals? Well, it, it was interesting in this particular case because really what this version of War of the Worlds is is a series of vignettes. Um, and I think that's what makes it work here. And, you know, we set it up all in the beginning of the story on on why it was done the way that it was done. But, um, you know, this is not the same kind of a, a play where you know, people are, are talking, you know, through and, and you're following action all along. This is a guy who has survived it all and is bringing all of this old material in, which is, you know, how you can explain the fact that it all sounds a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But um, so in that regard, um, I didn't have to take a look at the overall landscape very much, but I had to take a look at each vignette uh, individually uh, and figure out what the textures to apply there. And that's really where the levels of sound come in. Now, this particular recording was 56 tracks. Oh, my stars and garters. Uh, <laughs> and only 15 of those were voices. So everything else was effects and, and, and stuff like that. So it was... Um, that is that is a lot of tracks. Well, you've got I every guessed... truck, every well, slam every... door, every, you know, Well, footstep. yeah, but you don't necessarily have to have them all in each, each sound effect in its own track for a 48-minute show. You'd, you'd, have, you'd have tracks out to the moon. Well, he didn't he? <laughs> Mars, <laughs> <laughs> not the moon. Mars, Mars. yeah, it was right, Mars. Mars. Exactly. We've 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 determined it's Mars. <laughs> that sounds like a ton of logistics, and uh, uh, so once you had all the recordings, first of all, how long did it take to uh, uh, to get all the recordings back from your actors, and uh, and coordinate what? all that? <laughs> and secondly, how long did it take to? Uh, edit them into the final work or was that a continuous process as you were receiving the materials it, it was a, a continuous process as, as I was receiving materials but but they were all great everybody gave me stuff on, on a turnaround um, the, now the last voice that I added was actually uh, Sarah Sarah Bisman who is the announcer and she was she was late to the game because um, it wasn't until I had everybody else's material and I was assembling all of this that I realized that I needed I needed bookends, mm -hmm. and Sarah has that that sultry torch like torchlight uh, voice, um, you know that fits so well in that you know nineteen thirties forties. Had she been alive back then, uh, I I can see her standing up in front of one of those big clubs with, with the microphone singing those torchlight songs. I mean, she just has that, that silky smooth voice. Uh, it's a real nice contrast to uh, my not silky smooth voice. <laughs> well, you weren't playing Mr. Smooth. You were playing, you know, Dr. Scientist. Right. Well, that's pretty much my voice, no matter what I'm playing. So, <laughs> um, so she and, and she turned her stuff around uh, very quickly uh, for me. Um, but but all of them did. They, they were very generous in, in their times and, and getting things back. And, and the few retakes that I needed, uh, again, people were, were very quick to turn them around and send them to me. And uh, it was just from, from the logistics point of view of getting the people's voice. And it was great. God bless the internet. Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, trying to find out 
what the sounds are and you know not a lot of people actually know what a Martian death heat ray sounds sure like. Sure I do. It sounds like a photon <laughs> torpedo. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek must have scared the willies out of you a couple of years later. Yeah, well, my, I wasn't eight by that yeah, time. Yeah. And, and and it was uh, it was uh, on uh, Friday nights. Okay, well that was a, so. an improvement. Everything's hmm. less scary on a Friday night. No, I wasn't <laughs> home, dear. <laughs> so Marjorie, what was your experience uh, uh, working back and forth and sending these things in, and and uh, were you were you taking direction and and doing revisions or? Well, actually, it uh, I mean it was very straightforward, and um, I mean you know Christopher just gave very pretty much crystal clear directions, and and the script, like I said, just held its own. I mean, really. Uh, to me, it was more about just totally immersing myself in in Natalie's character, mm-hmm. and I I felt like I I did pull some time. You know, I didn't get back to Christopher right away because I really wanted to give Natalie's character justice and and really just you know what is it like to be a reporter? And I would just like walk around in, in my various you know work and recording and auditions and then regular life. Say, so, you know, how would I report this? How would I report my day? And so that's really what, what came up for me was more of the process. And I, in some ways, I had much more of a luxury of time to work on this as opposed to usually getting something turned around really, really fast. Um, so it, it was actually more of making it like what, like what Christopher was offering to all of us, a, a radio play, a, a real radio story. And so I got to digest a little more on my character, on Natalie, and, you know, how 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 would I report this? Something that's like a phenom that, you know, you know it's not every day you see this, <laughs> it's even in a park in New Jersey. Um, well, it's, it's not so every day that, that you get an opportunity to work on something like uh, Christopher Baum's War of the Worlds either, because... Uh, you yeah, know. and I, I mean, just the the chance to work on a classic like this. Uh, I mean, hello, it's how could you how could you not say no? You know, I mean, wow. Well, and and uh, another aspect of it, and uh, I'd be interested in hearing comments from all of you on it, uh, is uh, that this kind of construction of a radio drama is very different from the way they used to do it in the nineteen forties. Uh, where mm. you would, you, when you, when it was time to go on the air, that red light came on, baby, you were live. And the original War of the Worlds mm. was being done live by the Mercury uh, Mercury Theater of yeah. the Air. There was no recording. <laughs> they were doing it right there. Right. <laughs> yeah, obviously somebody recorded it afterwards, yeah. you know, while they were doing it. But uh, yeah, but by the same token, how how yeah. many rehearsals did they have ahead of time? How many script revisions did they all go through as a team and mm-hmm. and understand each other's you know uh, where they were coming in, where they were going out? Well, you know, they they're, actually they're... they only had a week, Doug. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that was like eight times longer than we <laughs> had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they were all working together and and doing nothing but that for a solid week. They didn't have day jobs. I mean that was their day job, right? But right, uh, right. right. Uh, but it's a, it's a very different environment, you know. In, instead of uh, instead of being able to yeah, be I, I work together a... in real time and see each other's faces and play off of each other while you're in the same room, you have this. Uh, you're effectively building a ship in a bottle from a dramatic standpoint. I think that's where it makes the harder comparison. Uh, it's it's not. It's almost not fair to try to do a comparison in, in either way because there are difficulties on either end. Yeah. Trying to actually have conversations with people that aren't there mm-hmm. and then the work of, of blending all of that seamlessly that Christopher had to do to, to pull mm-hmm. together the full production, you know, that there's there's pluses and minuses to both sides. I of have it. conversations with right people up. who aren't there all the time, but I try not to talk <laughs> about it. Uh, I, I, I was going to add to that as well. I think what, you know, Having a, a solid script is obviously a tremendous thing, but if you do a lousy editing job, that wonderful script doesn't come through. So the fact that the editing that Christopher did on all this to make those 56 tracks all come together 
um, is really a, a wonderful thing that happened as well. And I typically in the work that I do, I'm the ship in the bottle. I'm recording my things here in my home studio and I'm sending off the, the files to whoever is getting them and they're working that type of magic in the background. Um, so, I mean, you get used to it a little bit, but as far as you know, had mentioned, it's rare to get the, you know, you found it odd that it was rare to get a full script. Um, if it's a short thing, yeah, usually you will, but if it's a, if it's a full length production, the actors are usually just given, here's what I need from you. And, you know, don't worry your pretty little head about anything else. Um, so it, it is a luxury to have all of that. But again, kudos to Christopher for being able to take all of those things and put it together so that it sounds like you are just having that one conversation in the room with all of the people there. So Christopher, you were the one who was uh, taking the, the three different takes from, from each line and matching them up to create to create yeah. a tone for the scene and right. so that everything was in yeah. the right tone. I, I, yeah. To me that that to me is is, is you know a, to me like the 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 way to have that work and, and Christopher again, you know, executed that just stupendously. And I feel that I mean, yeah, there's many roles I've done even animation roles and characters and those that we get maybe a segment of the script we get enough to to give you know the full flavor of of that character but i i feel well and i feel that what christopher offered in in us giving say at least three takes was that we could also bookend our character so for natalie i you know i kind of went maybe a, a younger type natalie a little more mature a little bit sassy a little bit stereotypical reporter and then just what would natalie just be if, if she was like freaked out you know, like, oh my God, this is, I've never seen this before, but I got to do my job, but I may not live to see, you know, the next 10 seconds, but I've got to get this word out. And so, I mean, reporters turn into regular people, you know? Yeah. And and other times Uh, they, uh, they just, they're so hyper-focused on, on just doing their duty that, that they ignore their personal safety. No, well, actually, I, I want to point out one other thing because again, we got some tr- some tremendous performances uh, out of uh, all all of these cast members, but there is one thing in particular um, that was uh, something that I did not want to fall back on, and that is what a newsroom sounds like, because you know when those of us of a certain age think about a newsroom. What you think, what you hear in your mind, is a teletype in the oh, background. I haven't right? heard that in years. I heard it. You're I right. heard it yesterday. I heard telets. They were they were doing an interview on uh, uh, NCR. NPR. They were doing an interview on NPR, National Public Radio, uh, and it was some kind of a news thing and. I heard teletypes banging in the background. Oh, it must they have been an old, you know, Star no, 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 no. It was a new, it was a new production. It was like news of that that morning or that day or something like that. They, they couldn't and possibly be using teletypes. No, they were, of course not. It was a soundtrack. Come on, thing. it was a ringtone. It was a soundtrack okay. thing. It was, it was a ringtone, a new yeah. app. <laughs> yeah, but. But and, and, and that and that's exactly my point. That is not what newsrooms sound like. Not today. anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So that means that the only way to convey that this was a newscast was for Steve to do it with his voice. Yeah. yeah. And and it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant the job that he did. Well, thank you. Krypton's paying us, right? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe refrigerator magnets. Mm. I'll take it. Royalty. It's going to be royalty based. Um, yeah, go back and read your contract, Marjorie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I've died. I, my estate has to wait. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> my executor. Yeah, actually, actually, that uh, you've raised a very good question, and and that's how uh, uh, how radio plays get monetized especially in this day and age. Well, in, in this particular case and for this particular project, all of us donated our indeed, time to it. And, and that that was um, a, a testament to the generosity of my castmates that they would even consider <laughs> doing something like this, uh, let alone to do the job that they did. 
and and uh, we certainly appreciate your having done it. Uh, this is, uh, as I've said, productions of War of the Worlds are extremely rare. Uh, radio productions of War of the Worlds are rarer still, and uh, and we did have the biggest audience draw in the station's history during uh, during the broadcast of your version of War of the Worlds. So let's do this again. So yeah, yeah let's all get paid for it next Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna try and figure out that cash flow thing. It's a uh, it's, you know, it's a challenge and, for well, an you know, internet Lux radio, radio station. Theater had Blue Coal or whoever, you know. Blue Coal. I don't know. That was one of the common radio. Maybe that was for uh, X minus one. But I remember listening to an old time radio. It was Blue Coal. Yeah. But you think no, my old time favorite is the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Oh, that's good stuff. Oh, they don't okay. make it like that anymore. And then then listening to uh, E. G. Marshall continuously. For me, anyway, mispronounce Anheuser Busch. Yeah. Anheuser or something like that. Yeah. It uh, was like, come on. But uh, it's it's funny even to go back. I'll I'll listen to those still once in a while, and um, some of them were recorded off the air and hear the part of the old news broadcasts and some of the old commercials that are that are embedded mm. within the broadcast. Mm. It's very interesting. And we can get Chesterfield cigarettes to to uh, sponsor us. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, no, you clearly you guys don't know your history. The sponsor that came out of this was Campbell's Soup. Campbell's Soup. Oh, oh yeah. well, I missed that one. Mm, mm, good. Mm, That's good. right. Another New Jersey institution, I might add. But who wants to be in an institution? We will open no soup before it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Christopher H. Paul, Marjorie Coons, Doug Myers, and Steve Rimpici, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Event Horizon, and congratulations on the beautiful work that you did on War of the Worlds, and we hope to have you back soon. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Yep, thank you very much. You have just heard episode 37 of The Event Horizon for November 9th, 2013. This is the 40th episode we have recorded, but only the 37th we've aired as they are not necessarily aired in the order in which we produce them. Our guests this evening have been the cast of the original Krypton Radio production of Christopher H. Baum's War of the Worlds, including Christopher H. Baum himself, Marjorie Coons, Doug Myers, and Steve Rimpici. Your hosts have been Gene Turnbow and Susan Fox. This episode will air again on November 10th, 2013, that's Sunday, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Stay tuned, as immediately afterwards, we present in its entirety a reprised performance of the original Krypton Radio production of Christopher H. Baum's War of the Worlds. Good night. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. We're very proud to have you here tonight on Krypton Radio with breaking news from New Jersey. <laughs>